name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. A theologian once wrote that if the Bible were to be given a title, it should be this, and I quote, the book of the coming kingdom of God, because it, that is indeed the central theme everywhere. As I've mentioned to you uh, over the last few weeks, the theme of the kingdom of God, you know, we find it recorded in the gospels all throughout. For instance, Matthew 9, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus told his disciples, and I quote again, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole earth as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. In the book of Acts, we read at its conclusion, and I quote, proclaiming the kingdom of God, this is the Apostle Paul, he went proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You know, I've pointed out to you that it's sort of unfortunate in my estimation, in a way it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, the kingdom of God seems to have been lost to us, especially as Western Gentile believers, the kingdom of God seems to have been lost to us, and we don't talk about it much anymore. In fact, last week I, I had an introduction to, to my talk with this little piece with, by Dr. McCoy, and if you remember that she said that when asked of Western Christians, what is the central message of the Bible? None of them put that it was the establishment of the kingdom of God. It was always something else. So as citizens of the kingdom of God, we're endowed with blessings and responsibilities. And here's my theme for this morning. Or here's my talk for this morning. I believe that we have been given a mission as the kingdom of God. And so what is our mission? What is our undertaking as being a part of the kingdom of God? I guess we could say this, this fits under responsibilities, but I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it out and I'm talking about it as, a, as an entity. We have a mission as being part of the kingdom of God or being the kingdom of God, we have a mission. Now all too often I think that we, we equate our mission with evangelism. It's about preaching the gospel in order to get people converted so we can get as many people to be a part of the kingdom of God in the future as possible. Now I want to say to you that I believe that, uh, that that concept of mission has a, has a truth to it, okay, that we are to be about evangelism as I'm going to talk about. But I want to suggest to you, now listen carefully, I want to suggest to you that the mission of the kingdom of God is bigger than just that. So I hope you'll stay with me if you don't find that intriguing, if you're already not ruling me out and saying, I don't want to listen to him. I want you to listen to me because I'm going to suggest that the, the mission of the kingdom of God is bigger than just evangelism. So here's what I think is the mission of the church. I think this is what we'll see in the scriptures. The mission of the kingdom of God is as simple as this. It is about advancing the kingdom of God in our world. The mission of the kingdom is about advancing the kingdom of God in this world. So our mission is to spread the reign of God and his rule and his dominion to the ends 
of the earth. And you say, well, isn't that the same thing as evangelism? No, I, I think evangelism is one part of that, but I don't think it's just that. I think it's more than that. So I want to offer to you this morning this statement. The mission of the followers of Jesus is the furtherance of the kingdom of God, which was inaugurated with God's incarnation as Jesus the King, and is continuing with the spread of His kingdom to every ethnic group and will be consummated at the return and establishment of the kingdom as we see described in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. For those of you that might not be aware, those are the last two chapters of our, of our Bible. As the kingdom of God advances, listen carefully to what I'm saying, the world is changed. And as people submit to the rule of Jesus, business practices are changed because people begin to follow Jesus' teachings. Marriages are renewed and revived because we, we practice the things that Jesus called us to. Vocations are pursued for the glory of God, and on and on it goes. In other words, the mission of the kingdom, listen, is to roll back the curse that began with Adam and Eve in the fall. We're to push back the effects of the fall in the world around us. Now, C.S. Lewis, in his uh, you know, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, in the, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he portrayed this truth in a way. It's been a long time since I watched the movies, and maybe, you, maybe you've just watched them recently, but if you'll remember in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there came a time where the white witch was riding in her sled, and it became hardly impossible for her to continue in her sled because the snow was melting. And the melting snow, according to C.S. Lewis, or in his metaphor, the lion, the rich, and the uh, lion, witch, and the wardrobe, the, the, the melting snow was visualizing the pushback of the curse as the, uh, as the advance of Aslam's kingdom continued. In other words, he was rolling back the perpetual winter and he was removing the curse. The mission. Are you tracking with me? The mission of us is the message of the secret of the mustard seed. You remember the secret of the mustard seed in the parables that Jesus told? He said the kingdom of God is like the smallest of seeds, and you plant it, and it becomes one of the largest plants around, so the birds of the air can nest in its branches. In other words, our mission is to extend this kingdom with small beginnings, to, to, spend it, to, to extend it throughout the whole world. The mission of the kingdom is the message of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Yeah, I know it was about God telling Nebuchadnezzar that he's going to destroy all the kingdoms of the world and that Nebuchadnezzar would be the gold and everything would deteriorate from there on down. But if you remember in the dream, at the end of it, a, a, a piece of rock from the mountain was cut away by no hands and it comes rolling down and it crushes the statue which represents all the kingdoms of the world. And then it says, and then that rock becomes a mountain and fills the whole world. You see, that's the mission of the kingdom of God. We are to advance the kingdom of God throughout, throughout the earth. And, and I want to share with you this morning 
three means by which we do that. And, and my challenge to us this morning, I'm, I'm hoping, first of all, that I'll convince you that the, the advance of the kingdom of God is more than evangelism. I'm hoping I'm going to convince you of that. But I'm also hoping that this morning you will, you will see what Jesus said about how we advance the kingdom of God in the world, and you will say to yourself, wow, I want to be involved in that, and I want to make sure that I am, I am advancing the kingdom in my life and through my life, in the world around me, and, and ultimate to, the, to the, the uttermost parts of the earth. Everybody with me? So that's what I'm going to do. Let's start. Here, here's the first means by which we advance the kingdom of God in the earth. We live the kingdom ethic personally. One of the easiest, maybe, and, and most foundational ways for me to advance the kingdom of God is for me to live out in my own life the ethic that Jesus gave to us. Maybe you're wondering what I mean. I mean, we're to be like Jesus. We're to look like him and act like him and live like him even when it's really difficult, even when it doesn't feel good, even when I don't want to. That's what I'm to do. And when I live out the ethic of the kingdom, I am advancing the kingdom of God in the world. Now, in Matthew chapter 6 through 8, it's a long passage. I'm not going to read it. In fact, I read it this morning in our prayer time at 8 o'clock. I read at least chapter 6 for us. But the apostle lumps together, Matthew lumps together many of Jesus' ethical sayings in chapters 6 through 7, I should say, 6 through 7. And, and it's what Jesus is calling us to obey in our life. So let me just mention a few of the things that he says. This is the ethic of the kingdom that we're to live. We're to be peacemakers, humble and merciful. Jesus even says to us, love your enemies. Not just be kind to them, but love your enemies. And remember, love isn't a feeling, everyone, right? Love isn't that I feel really good about and tender towards my enemies. That's not what love is. Love is an action. Love is a verb. Love is doing them good, the Scripture says. And so Jesus says, the ethic of my kingdom is that you love your enemies and that you're a peacemaker and that you're humble. It's that we're not driven by lust. We're to invest in marriage and make it a blessing. Remember that? He says, you've heard it say, don't commit adultery. I'm saying to you, guard your heart. See, the kingdom of the, the ethic of the kingdom is, is so much greater. We're to be generous and actually not worry about storing up earthly possessions, it says, but preferring others as more important than ourselves. We are to be generous and to give our stuff away. We're not to judge others with condemnation. And actually, we have no grounds, the Scripture says, to judge anyone's motives. You know, I can judge somebody's actions, and I can say, that is morally wrong when compared to what Jesus says is right. But I have no right to judge your motives as to why you're doing what you're doing. I don't have any right to talk about your heart because I don't know your heart. Only God knows your heart. Only God knows the shoes you've walked in. So I can judge activity as being morally wrong, but I, I don't have the right to judge you. That's not my job. That's God's job, and I'm supposed to leave that to Him. I'm supposed to speak the truth, but I'm to do it in love. And I'm to, uh, he, says, he says, spend more time on self-examination of your life and your heart than you do on judging other people's stuff. He doesn't say that we don't help one another, but he says spend more time, spend most of the time on yourself. Why? Because you're to live the ethic of the kingdom of God. And when you live the ethic of the kingdom of God, you advance the kingdom of God. Well, so you say, Jimmy, where does that come from? Well, it comes from the very same text in Matthew 5. 
You listen, you know this well. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under the people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. It gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Here are two things Jesus says as to why you living the ethic ethic of the kingdom advances the kingdom. He says, because you are salt. Now, it's metaphorical, everyone. You're not really salt, although I imagine we're made up of of salt somewhere in this body. But, But he's metaphorically saying, you preserve the world around you. And you keep it from sinking into more rot when you live the ethic of the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. When you and I live this this ethic of Jesus, we are preserving everything around us. But it's really sad. We're not really being salt. So, so Rick, who played the drums for us this morning, you couldn't see him back in there. He's old like me, but he played the drums good for an old man. And uh, anyway, Rick and I were talking, Rick and I were talking this morning and, and, and Rick said, now, I don't know how we got to talking about his, about his job, but he said, yeah, towards the end of my career, I went to work for a Christian institution. And he said, but I only stayed six months. And I said, why did you only stay six months? He said, because I couldn't handle the backbiting and the fighting and the, he said, man, I got treated so much better amongst lost people than I did at this Christian institution. No wonder we're not advancing the kingdom of God because we're we're not even acting as good as people who are not following Jesus. We're not even acting as as well as those folks. Now, the second thing that Jesus says in the text, he says, you're salt, so you're to preserve, you're to keep to the community around you from sinking even lower. He says, but you're the light. And, and so and light illumines, it helps you see, it shows us the way. And so we advance the kingdom. When I live the kingdom ethic, I am like a light, Jesus says, and I'm telling people how to find their way into the kingdom of God. I'm telling people, I'm showing people with my light what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like and how it's supposed to be different. But if you don't live, if you don't live the kingdom ethic, then, then what you're doing is like taking the light, and I, I guess it's actually worse, but it, at least in Jesus' analogy here, it's like putting a bucket over your light, and it's not helping anyone. No one sees that light when you're not living the kingdom ethic. And so we need to live the, the things that God wants us to live in this light. And then notice this. I hope you caught this. But he says, together, we're like a city set on a hill. He's not talking about you. He's talking about all of us together. You see, so when all of us live the kingdom ethic, and, and Bacon's Castle family, and whatever family you're a part of, if you're a believer, you know, so when, when our church families live the ethic of the kingdom together, man, we're like a city that's sitting up way up high. And, and you think about this. If you're, if you're living in the flatlands and there's a hill and there's a city, at night you're going to see it from a long way away because its light is going to be so bright. At night you can look this way and you see the sky lit up because you're looking at Newport News all lit up. And, and that's what he's saying here. We, we, get to, we get to shine this light. And he goes on and says this. He says, if you, he, in, in that text in Matthew, he says, if we're not living the kingdom ethic, if we're not living like Jesus, he says, we're, 
We're worse than the people who don't know me. That's what Jesus said. I'm not making this up. That's what he says. He says, if you don't love your enemies, what what good is that? Even people who don't know me love one another. If only people we can love are the people that are just like us and people that agree with us and the people that speak the way we speak, if that's the only people we can love, we're failing. We're We're not advancing the kingdom of God by living out his ethic. And so he says, guys, you know, be different. If you're only doing the minimum, that's what everybody who doesn't know me does. You've got to be better than that. He says, and he ends this, that chapter, he ends that chapter, you know how he ends it? Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So live the Christian ethic. Jesus did not ask us to sit back and curse the rot or curse the darkness of culture. That's not what he asked us to do. He said, get in the middle of culture and live my ethic. And when you do, you'll preserve people around you. And you'll be a light that people will be able to see. And they're going to want in on the kingdom. That's the first way we advance the kingdom. Here's the second. We advance the kingdom by implementing God's love locally and nationally. I'm talking about something beyond just me living my, my king's ethic in my personal life. I'm talking about now I take his ethic and, and his love and I, and I spread it abroad everywhere around me. The, the, the kingdom ethic isn't just for me personally, it's to be championed by us everywhere and around the world. So J. Gresham Machen who is, is, is long since died, but he was a great New Testament scholar in the 20th century. And I remember back in, uh, in my educational days, I had to read a lot of his books. But this is what he said, and I quote him, the Christian cannot be satisfied so long as any human activity is either opposed to Christianity or out of all connection with Christianity. Christianity must pervade not merely all nations, but also all of human thought. The Christian, therefore, cannot be indifferent to any branch of earnest human endeavor. It must all be brought into relation to the gospel, to the good news of the kingdom. It must be studied either in order to be demonstrated as false or else in order to be made useful in advancing the kingdom of God. The kingdom must be advanced not merely extensively but also intensively. The church must seek to conquer not merely every man for Christ but the whole man. It's an abbreviated good news. It's a truncated good news when when all we're trying to bring about is individual and personal holiness. Machen says we we need to press the love of God into all of culture, into all of society. So let's look and see, is that what God says? Is that, is that what, God, is Machen making that up? Am I making this up? Let's see what the scripture says. Let's go to the Old Testament first. And, and this is God's, this is God's thoughts to his people Israel who were his chosen nation. And again, let me remind you what they were intended to be. They were not intended to be the only people that God loved or the people even that God loved the most. They were the people that God chose to be a different sort of nation, to live his ethic Although their ethic is different, you know, it's not all the same for us today as it was back then. But their goal was to live the ethic of God. And as they live the ethic of God, people would see their light and be drawn to him. That was their goal, right? And so in the midst of that, they're fasting one day. And they're fasting and they're fasting food. And, and God is unimpressed. And they're noticing. And they say, God, we're fasting. Why aren't you impressed? Now, this is what God says to them. 
Well, here's why, and this is from a, from a more contemporary translation. And this is Isaiah the prophet. It's, it should be on the screen, but it's Isaiah 58. Well, here, not, not the words, just the just nomenclature where it is. Well, here's why. The bottom line of your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show off your humility? To put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? Do you call that fasting? A fast day that I, God, would like? This is the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes uh, on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, and quit gossiping about about other people's sins, if you are generous with the hungry and start giving your to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. Now, you can say, well, he's just speaking to the leadership of Israel. He's not speaking to the everyday man. I I said that is not true. I think he's speaking to the leadership, and I think he's speaking to every man. But what about in the New Testament? I mean, we're we're not Israel anymore, everybody, and we're not is we're not we are the true Israel, but we're not Israel, the nation. What does Jesus say? Listen to Jesus. This is Jesus, Matthew twenty-five. Verse thirty-one. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious thrones, all on his throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will say, and answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or when did we see you as a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly, I tell you, whenever you did, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We advance the kingdom of God, everyone, when we seek to be agents of God's love and goodness and kindness and righteousness and culture all around us. And these are the words of Jesus, especially in the lives of others who are hungry, homeless, marginalized, and incarcerated. Isaiah says the same thing in the Old Testament to them. He says, here's, what I, here's the fast I long from you. Seek to lift up the hurting and the homeless. Invest in elevating the poor. Rescue the oppressed. And seek to break the chains of injustice. You know, back in, back in the slavery days, and this is it's not in my notes, but it just came to me. Back in the slavery days, you know, and not that the church wasn't in, at the forefront. It was. But there was a lot of us who named the name of Jesus who were perpetuating, perpetuating such injustices. We weren't on the forefront. We need to be on the forefront, folks. That's what it's saying here. 
Paul would say to the church at Rome, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and receives human approval. Listen, the kingdom of God, listen, write it down if you're taking notes. The kingdom of God is a utopia of goodness. It is a paradise of graciousness and othersness. And that's exactly what it's going to be in its culmination and in its completeness. That is what it's going to be. But listen, this is the mission of the kingdom of God. We're to be advancing that goodness and we're to be advancing that graciousness and we're to be advancing that otherness in the way we live because personally we live his ethic, but we're also seeking to to permeate culture around us and bring his loving justice to everything around us that's not right. Now let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. I'll give you a couple of illustrations. So this is, this is one from antiquity, when I say antiquity, back in 1939. Back in 1939, Nicholas Winton was a British stockbroker, and so of course he had some money. I was always, always been a lucrative feel, I imagine. And he went off to Switzerland to ski. But on his way there, a friend of his said, man, would you come to Czechoslovakia and see what's happening over here? And so... And so um, Nicholas went to Czechoslovakia on his way to, uh, to ski in Switzerland. And when he stopped off in Czechoslovakia, he saw that the Nazis, what they were doing to the Jews. And he saw all kinds of children in, in already put into these, they weren't Auschwitz and all, but put in these holding camps, and they was freezing, and they didn't have clothes. And what he saw was Jewish families desperately trying to get their children out of there. And so he went on to his trip, but he couldn't get that out of his mind. And when he went back home to Britain, what he did was he organized people to, to get the kids out of Czechoslovakia. And so what he did was he organized relief effort. He started finding foster homes for these children. He started raising 50 pounds per child to get them out, which was about $3,500. And this was a while back, so maybe it was more than that. But he raised roughly $3,500 per child, our, our currency, to get those children out. And he rescued 669 children out of Czechoslovakia. But you know what, guys? He, he did, nobody knew about that. I mean, people today knew about it, but it never became anything that anyone knew until years later, his wife found this box up in the attic of what he had done, you know, all the, I guess, the memorabilia that he had kept or whatever, and that's when the story came out. Here's my point. Here's, and I don't even know if he's a brother, but if he's a brother and he's doing that, he's advancing the kingdom because he's seeking to live out God's justice in the world around him, not just sitting back and living personally the ethic of God. He's really trying to implement God's love in the community around him. So we advance the kingdom of God locally, and, and we advance it when we, we put God's love in action. We get out there and we just and we serve people and we live his ethic and and the the living of his ethic out there, I mean, causes, can cause, can help the community flourish. But I want to go a step further and say this, under this point that I'm trying to make, it's 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 we also proclaim the ethic of God in our community. We also we also uh, proclaim to everyone who will listen 
what God says about the flourishing of society and culture around us. So we speak truth. So for instance, we should talk about the value of marriage as God designed it. Even though that's not really PC in our culture today to do that, we need to be doing that. We need to talk about the value of binary genders. We need to talk about the value of the dignity of all life so that we are speaking into our culture you know, the truth of God that results in the flourishing of, of our culture around us. You know, a few, uh, a few weeks ago, I posted uh, in my weekly email, I posted a link to a YouTube by Stephanie. I can't remember her last name. But she was talking about uh, the, the pro-life position, that, that life is precious and, and it is, you know, should be... Uh, honored and, and the dignity of life should be respected. And, and, I, and I put that there. I'd really love for you all to watch it because you know what Stephanie does? She doesn't go and say, thus saith the Lord. She doesn't do that. She doesn't go, she doesn't appeal to God so that people who don't believe in God don't want to li listen. She, she makes a case from just human rights. She makes a case from human rights, and she makes a case with kindness for human rights and, and just the natural order of things that life should be respected from, from uh, fertilization on. I think she makes a wonderful case. And, you know, I, I've listened to it, I think, four times now, maybe more, and I still can't do what she does, and I'm not expecting you to, to be able to do what she does just simply by listening. But what I am saying is that by listening to such things, I, I think we, we energize ourselves to speak the truth of God into our community. And, and we can learn to do that with, with a, not condemnation, but with a, with a loving kindness. Now, before I move on, and I've debated back and forth whether to talk about this in my mind, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Let me talk about politics for just a moment. You know, many followers of Jesus, they live in, in the world where they have absolutely no political power. <laughs> they have no political power. They have no ability whatsoever to affect anything in government. Um, you know, they just have none, right? And so they're still, I believe, obligated to preach the kingdom good news. They're, they're to live the kingdom ethic as best they can, and they're to preach as best they can, you know, God's truth about the flourishing of society. I, I think they're obligated to do that, even though they don't have any way of affecting their politic and their country and their national leadership. We, on the other hand, we're different. Um, we, we have the ability to politically get involved in ways that can result, I, I believe, in changing the culture around us. So on Thursday... Uh, a couple of us, three of us, went to the pro-life march in Richmond. And uh, for about an hour, we listened to, I don't know, 10 to 15 talks. They were probably less than five minutes each. But in those talks, what we listened to was what's been happening in our General Assembly in Virginia. And so the General, uh, General Assembly in Virginia is rolling back politically some of the things that uh, the, the state had enacted in the past. For instance, there was a 24-hour waiting period. So if you wanted to get an abortion, you know, you're, you're, this, is, this is some of the words that I heard. Your boyfriend can't drag you into the abortion clinic and make you have that thing right there because that's not how it works. You have to go in. You have to, you had to see 
uh, ultrasound-wise what was happening in your womb. And then if you still wanted to have an abortion, you could come back 24 hours later and have one. Well, that's been repealed. That's been, that's been rolled back. It used to be that qualified doctors had to perform abortions. Now that's been rolled back. It, it used to be that you had to watch the ultrasound. That all has been rolled back. Here's my point. Elections have consequences. They always do. You know, who you vote for, you know, we have the, we have the ability and right to speak into our politic, and, and we should absolutely do that. We have a part to play in political decisions. And so you and I, as followers of Jesus, should seek to speak and bring about the flourishing of, of our culture by, by, as politically as we can, vote and speak into our culture. But here's the part some of you might not like, but I, I want to say it nonetheless. I really want to caution all of us to not conflate the kingdom of God with the nation of America. They are not the same. And I'm not trying to belittle our country. And you all know I was raised in another country and somebody once said, that's my problem. And maybe it is. But, but, but here's, here's what I want you to see, everyone. The kingdom of God stands above every political nation. And the kingdom of God is what we're a part of. And our loyalty lies here before it lies anywhere down here. And we've got to be careful because we, we're living in two kingdoms, but we belong to this kingdom up here. And we've got to be careful not to conflate the United States of America with the kingdom of God. They are not the same thing. And here's, here's my other caution. We need to not see politics as the main way to advance the kingdom of God. Should we be involved in the political process so that we can affect culture around us? Absolutely. But we need to be careful to not see the primary way of advancing the kingdom as your, your politics, because it's not. The way you advance the kingdom of God is by living the kingdom ethic yourself personally and then by being an agent of God's love all around you in culture by changing it as best you can in, in your world. So yesterday I read this story and, and, and I just had to share it. A Texas police officer, actually the man who was pulled over is writing the story. And he's an African-American man. And he's pulled over because his windows are tinted. And uh, so when he comes, the officer rolled, they roll down the window and the officer goes to his car and I guess he's dealing with it. He comes back and he notices that the gentleman's little daughter is not in a car seat. And he says, sir, why isn't your child in a car seat? And, and the man says, well, honestly, I can't afford a car seat. No, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But he says, I can't afford a car seat. They are expensive if you go buy a new one. And uh, so the police officer said, sir, I want you to follow me to the local Walmart. They drive to the local Walmart, and that police officer and that man go into the Walmart, and that police officer buys that guy a child seat. And then, you know, nobody knows about this except the man put it on social media and he didn't know the name of the police officer. And, and the police force reads about it. They, they find the man. They ask him, why did you do that? He paid for it with his own money. And he said, the reason I did it is because by giving the man a ticket, I'm not doing anything but sinking him lower into, into more despair in a bigger hole. And so I could buy him a car seat. So he took him and bought him a car seat. Now, I don't know if the officer is a, is a part of our family, but this I do know, man, that is what I'm talking about when I'm saying that is the primary way we advance the kingdom of God, by living out his ethic and then loving the community around us in Jesus' name. 
that's how we have to do it. And that's the primary way to do it. The kingdom of God at its culmination will absolutely be righteousness and justice and peace. When Jesus comes again, everyone, there'll be no more poverty in the coming kingdom. There'll be no more slavery or sex trafficking. There'll be no more sins or choices that lead to the suffering of others or even my own suffering. There'll be no more selfishness. Rather, than, rather there'll be community flourishing at every level, in every area of life, in the arts, in business, because all this is going to be part of the kingdom of God. They'll be flourishing in all of that in the kingdom to come, and you can be a part of that. But we're to be advancing that kingdom now. We're to be, you know, it's not like, okay, I'm just going to get everybody to, we're going to jump all over this. doesn't matter how bad this is. We're going to jump over this to that over there. No, we're to be advancing the kingdom of God in this right now. That's what Jesus told us. And that's what we've seen happening. The kingdom of God is advancing in the world. And we need to be a part of advancing. That brings me to my third thing, and, and then I'll be finished. We advance the kingdom of God by making disciples globally. Now here's a very important text and it tells us about the advancement of the kingdom. And some say this is the only way to advance the kingdom. And the first two things I've said are, are, are not a part of that. I, I very much disagree. I hope I've made my case. But, but this is an extremely important way in which we advance the kingdom now and in the future. We, we make disciples now because it affects things now. Here's the verse, and you know it well. It's Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, as I said, we're to make disciples globally, Jesus says. We're to take and make disciples around the world. And, and I'm just so thankful for Scott and Sally. I'm so thankful for Micah and Becky, for, for Zach and Lee, for Augusta, for Jamie and Mary, for my mom and dad who invested, who have invested, are investing their lives in going to the nations and making disciples around the world. And there's countless others who have done the same and are doing the same. But really, we begin to make disciples right here. And for most of us, it's right here where I live that I begin to make disciples. I'm making disciples. You need to be making disciples right here in Surrey and Isle of Wight County. So let me ask, answer this question. What is a disciple? Because really, that's crucial, isn't it? If I'm going to make disciples, and I'm saying we're going to advance the kingdom on making disciples, what is that? Well, the word simply means a learner or a follower. So we advance the kingdom when we make disciples of Jesus, King Jesus, when we make followers of Jesus and learners of Jesus. That's how we advance the kingdom, by helping people become learners and followers. Now in the text, did you notice this? As they become followers and learners, what are we to do? Teach them to do what? To obey everything that Jesus taught us. So here's how this advances the kingdom of God now. Because as I lead John or Pete or Sally or Sue to Christ is I lead them to Christ and I teach them to follow Jesus and I teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us, then they begin to live the kingdom ethic of Jesus and they become salt and light around them. And then they not only begin to live it personally, they begin to say, oh, I want to impact culture. And so they begin to impact culture. 
And then they want to advance the kingdom too. So they begin to make disciples. So now I'm still making disciples and they're making disciples. And then the disciples that they make are making disciples. That's how we advance the kingdom. And as all of us, as all of us make disciples and more and more people follow Jesus, we change culture around us. That's how we advance the kingdom of God now in the world. By make, we're, we're, yes, we're, we're, we're helping people so that on that day when Jesus comes, they're going to be in the kingdom of God. But it's not just about that day. It's about now helping them change the community and helping us bring in God's ethic and God's loving kindness to people all around us. Now, how do you make disciples? Well, we live for the king. And when people see us, they say, wow, you're so different. People are drawn to our kindness, to our love, to our others' focus. And when we tell them about Jesus, we say, what makes me the way I am is not because I'm who I am. It's because Jesus has changed me. I follow my king. If there's anything you like in my life, if there's anything that you notice in my life, then it's because of Jesus. I invite you to follow him because he'll do the very same thing in your life that he did in mine. So that's how we extend the kingdom of God. And notice this, when someone decides to follow Jesus, and by the way, maybe I'm speaking to you this morning on this last part here, but when someone decides to follow Jesus, do you notice in the text, Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, you know, uh, so somebody begins to follow Jesus, and the first thing that Jesus says is, they're to be baptized, expressing that faith in me. They're to be baptized. And I was had a conversation with a friend this week, and we were talking about baptism. And I've said this many times, so let me say it again. But baptism is sort of like your wedding ring. It's loaded with meaning and significance and commitment and all of that. But its purpose is symbolic. It doesn't, it doesn't bring anything to the marriage. I mean, if I don't have it on, I'm just as married as if I do. But, but take it off and don't tell your spouse why you took it off. And they find out you're not wearing it. <laughs> uh, Nobody's laughing at that. So isn't that true though? You know, where's your wedding band? Why you got your wedding band off? I never, I can't get mine off most of the time. So, um, but, but a wedding band is, is significant and it points to the covenant people make. And the same way baptism, it's, it's got the same significance. It points to this covenant that we make with Jesus of following him and trusting him. So some of you become followers of Jesus. You're trusting him. It's time for you to make it known. It's time for you to make it known. One of my favorite shows as a young person was uh, Mission Impossible. You remember it, don't you? And um, the gray-haired guy, I can't remember his name, but his name was Jim in the show. But after, he, it would say, your mission, Jim, should you choose to accept it? And he tells him what the mission is. And then he says, as always, should you or any of your I am force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions, and this tape will self-destruct in five seconds. None of that's going to happen this morning. But the mission of the kingdom, the mission of the kingdom is not an impossible mission. Okay, this is not, I, this is not the I am force. This is the, this is the P force, the possible force, right? And our mission, it's not an impossible one, but it is an ongoing one. And we're to, we're to be advancing the kingdom in the world all around us until the day when Jesus steps back onto the planet and, uh, and the end is here. You know, so, so it's an ongoing one. It's not a recessive mission. It's not one where we're pulling back. It's one that we should be advancing and pushing forward. We are to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. And I would this morning ask you to choose, to decide, to resolve that you are going to be an integral and tireless part 
of fulfilling the mission of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Jesus, you, uh, you told us, you said, um, don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers. And Spirit, I know you have spoken to our hearts, so Lord, help us to obey. Help us to put feet to the things that maybe we're touched by this morning, convicted by, challenged by. Uh, Lord, would you help us to be responsive beyond just uh, emotionally moved at this moment, but just may we walk out of here and actually uh, seek to to uh, bring about any changes that you've spoken to our heart about. Lord, thank you that you've given us this mission to advance the kingdom by making disciples, by living your love in our community, and by personally living for you. So help us to do all of those things that we might be salt and light in the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Mm-hmm.